0: You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher wrap up their three-part series on looking at how trauma seeks to mar a person's glory. A person's God-given identity, one who is loved and worthy of good care, is not able to change because of trauma. Listen in as Candace and Cher talk about the way Cher has set healthy boundaries and using her glory to offer deep care and kindness to others.
1: Good morning, Cher. Hey, Candace. Did you notice I didn't say hi, Cher? <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I'd shake it up a little bit. Maybe. Whoa, live on the edge, girl. Yeah. It's good to be with you again today. Yeah, you too. Always. We recently recorded last week and the week before. Some episodes entitled Our Epic Story of Glory. Yeah. We wanted to process with one another and bring to our listeners this idea that we have worth and value and were created in the image of God. And that part of us does not get touched by the trauma that we've experienced. We also named that evil, trauma, harm, does seek to mar that glory, which is our identity. And so today we're going to further the conversation because last week you asked me a question. And if you haven't listened, go back and get exactly how you asked me the question. But when you asked me about the ways that I have perceived what my gifts and what my glory has developed or been revealed to me through the trauma that I experienced. And I got so excited to answer that because in this space, we do tend to turn against ourselves. Yeah. In this space, we have a very hard time seeing our glory, seeing our goodness, Mm. seeing our lovability yeah and yet we want to see it mm-hmm. we actually do want to believe it it was nice for me to be able to actually go back and hear myself saying what i believe that was but i realized i really wanted to ask that question to you and for our listeners to also understand that this is not just true for me and you it is true to for every single person listening to this episode right and so we're going to start off with me doing, I don't want to say story work, but just asking you some questions. And we also want to wrap this in the context of how kind this is for me, for you, and how kind it would be for our listeners mm. if they had someone moving in close to them to ask these types of questions. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that
2: today? Yeah, and I'll just say as we started, it also feels a little vulnerable because we haven't worked this through carefully. I'm not sure exactly where we're going. And I think also that when we are talking about our glory, there's always this little bit of a hard place of being able to say, here are some things about myself that I believe are glorious. That feels really hard. As a matter of fact, I feel a little teary, almost even saying that, that we are very accustomed to the places where we have fallen short or where we fail. And it's, it's much harder to name. Here is how I feel my life has been made glorious and revealed. As glorious, even through the difficulties that I've endured. Yeah, I just want to name that it feels vulnerable and I'm willing to go here because of the reasons that you stated.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I see the vulnerability in this. I didn't feel so much that way because I didn't know we were going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that, as you know, we have always given one another permission Mm -hmm. to edit, to cut and to throw out anything that feels too vulnerable. Yeah. So I want to start with, you know, not every listener knows your stories like I do, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to looking at our stories, we often say it is in the particularities of our stories, of, an, of the harm, of the trauma, of the messages that they sent to us that developed our belief systems. Those are the places that we need someone else to help us see. Yeah. We need a witness that can help us make sense because in those stories, we, we are showing up as littles, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 16-year-olds that need wise guides, wise guidance, deep, deep loving kindness and tender care, what yeah. they needed then. So we still get to do that today. And I want to preface that because I know the particularities of your stories. That even as a little child, you held this desire to be deeply kind. You were sensitive. You scanned the room and tried to uh, tried to get a sense of what people needed. Mm. And that gift in you, that glory in you was, I'm going to use the word consumed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but I wonder if you can share a little bit more of what that what that meant mm-hmm. and what that has meant as you have tried not to reject that part of you mm-hmm. because of the shame and the pain that it brought you later on, but now you're able to welcome her home.
2: Yeah. And I think even as you named that, you know i there's a part of me that wants to rise up and say well i wasn't kind to everyone mm-hmm. right i and i think i will say i i think i particularly scanned the room to make sure my parents both of them were okay mm-hmm. and in different ways i feel like i moved into the scenarios of conflict which were many with a desire to diffuse the tension Mm -hmm. and help them particularly be okay. And I think that was, in some regard, it was my way of protecting the whole family, but it may not have always looked that way to my siblings. Having the ability to kind of read the room and sense the tension building and Kind of this courage to move toward it with some level of belief that if I could handle
1: everything just right, we would all come out alive. Mm-hmm. Because I've gotten to see that gift in you now, unless you know the particularities of the story. I want to go back to the word consumption that because share is sensitive. And deeply kind and has a desire to help everyone feel okay. What has that been like for you when you have bumped up against people that? And when I when I say consume it, really what we're talking about is they see your gift and they see your glory, and they want, they actually want to use it mm-hmm. to make themselves feel better but at the sacrifice of doing their own work. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think because of the home that I grew up in and the dynamics,
2: I learned at a pretty young age how to offer myself for consumption. Mm. I didn't know how to bring healing to the problems or how to help anybody really get free or I I just knew that if if I came into the scenario in a certain way, it could reduce the tension and, you know, everybody would be okay. And I think that is what I moved forward in life in 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 that that kind of became a a way that I related a lot was being able to move toward situations of tension or difficulty and help the people who were involved get through it in ways that helped everybody and yet healed nobody or nothing because I did not know how to actually do that. And I did this for many, many years of my life. I think back to when I was a very young teacher and, you know, there, there are those students that are, are where their needs are just on the front burner. And... I could see the neediness and I I would move toward that. And I even remember being cautioned by another teacher a, a few times about, you know, just be careful because that particular student d- can demand a lot. And I remember just thinking, and this is when I'm like in my early 20s, thinking, well, if their needs are that apparent, surely We should be moving toward them. And so I would repeatedly offer myself for whatever resources I had, whatever energy, you know, time, whatever, I would move toward because I knew that I could help the situation. Only I know now I was not bringing what was needed to really bring healing, rather, just kind of
1: that lessening the tension in the moment. I'm going to give you a teeny, teeny bit of pushback on something. Okay. You were bringing what was needed. They needed comforted. Yeah. But Mm. even our comfort for others has boundaries. Yeah. We, We are called to bring comfort, but we can't be their only source of comfort. Right. So it's about giving something so good but that person becomes dependent on that one thing yeah or how they they think that it's the only way they can be comforted right i want to say when you do that today you offer comfort today you haven't stopped helping people with what they need but you've moved into empowering them outside of yourself. Yeah. Does that feel true?
2: Yeah, very much so. And I think partly it's true because I have been comforted. Mm -hmm. My wounds have received care out of me knowing and experiencing that kind of comfort and care that was and is strongly boundaried with healthy boundaries, where lavish, tender love, like the best (laughs) tender goodness and love I have experienced in my life is offered and in a way that is powerful and empowering, but not free for consumption. And I also am encouraged not to offer my goodness free for consumption, because I knew how to do that. I forgot what your specific question was. How am I doing that now? I think I do move toward, and I love to move toward people who are struggling, but it's with a different means of coming alongside Mm -hmm. and offering compassion and kindness and goodness and being willing to let them struggle through how they will choose or not choose to really work toward the healing that is waiting for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So helping a person, like what I'm saying here, is that and that comfort that they experience in your presence and and will add deep kindness to that and and actually radical acceptance. it's it's just it's a profound gift you have. Mm. And helping them access that it, it, it's like them coming alive, that that they are worthy of that, yeah, that there there's nothing shameful about wanting to experience that in our bodies. Yeah. And then helping them turn towards themselves that they can also bring that to themselves.
2: I think the whole IFS framework, internal family systems and getting to know my parts. I think we talked about this. I'm not sure which episode, but Getting to know my younger part, so my eight-year-old girl, who is playful and fun and will go the extra mile for anyone. Mm -hmm. Getting to know my six-year-old little girl who longs for the tenderness of a mother's love and knew that it wouldn't come from my mother and begin hunting. Hunting for that. I have these different parts and they have their own particular struggles. And and as I have come to understand these dynamics going on in me and come to accept them and love them and help them find healing, I love coming alongside of others and helping them also begin to get to know their younger parts. Mhm so that they can move toward them with gentleness and kindness and, and and see them as the delightful beautiful innocent child that they were and and begin to help them relate with those aspects of their own heart and soul in ways so different than they have been accustomed to out of the need for protecting and hiding shame
1: and yeah, all of that. I'm smiling so big right now because we just heard your glory. Oh, um, wow. Now yeah. I'm getting teary. Yeah. We are in the same story group have been for, are we going on three years? I think we're finishing three years. Kansas. Okay. So we we finished three years. Yeah. And we all know each other so well in the particularities of our stories and how we show up. We also, I've noticed, have, you know, we just did a group that we spoke blessings over one another. So we all kind of hold these gifts that, that we all can honor and recognize and call out in one another. And I want to say that I was smiling so big, not only because I was hearing your glory, but I, in my body, I felt what I feel like when there's five of us on the screen, and you pop in, and you bring us back to the child mm-hmm. who needs to know that it wasn't her fault, yeah that she's not bad, yeah, that she's not too much, yeah, I'm getting personal here, yeah, yeah, and I just I just want to say that that glory in you, that gift. Mm. We all look to now, yeah. and we need and yeah. we want. Yeah. And we delight in you. I delight in you. Um, what does it feel like to be delighted in? Yeah, it feels so
2: good. And thank you for those kind words. And I'm just thinking about, well, I want to come back to delight, but I want to just say that I have been lingering this week over my dad's death 2 years ago my dad died 2 years ago and we had been estranged for many years and as I was and I will get very emotional here and I and I'm okay with that I'm really comfortable with that but as I lingered this week over the deep harm that he brought to my life in so many ways I think for the first time, I also was just so attuned to the fact that in him was this little boy who was so hurt and Mm. so injured. And I don't know his stories. He did not share his childhood. He didn't talk about his childhood at all. But I think one of my little girls saw his little boy Mm. and just... For me this week to really be able to see that part of him with kindness, it really helped me enter sorrow in a very different way that I I haven't really gone deep into sorrow over his passing two years ago as much as I have this week that I have felt deep, deep sorrow and sadness. That part of him, as far as I know did not receive the kind of care that was needed for him to to heal but that as i was able to really remember that little boy part of him that we did see often he had a playfulness he had a he had a tenderness that didn't show up very often but when it did it was glorious and i loved that part of him and as i Set with that this week, I have been able to move toward forgiveness in some really profoundly important ways for me. Mm. And it's just been really, it's been a really sweet week yeah. for me with this. And yeah. it's, it is because I can see more than just Mm-hmm. Um, one aspect of him that he tended to bring forward a lot that I that I could remember that that young part of him that also needed a lot of care.
1: I am taking a deep breath, and I want to say that I feel like in this moment we are in very deep waters. And that the movement that you're making towards your own desire to see if you can forgive, to see what's in there, is not something anyone else could have put on you. No. It comes as an invitation when someone is ready. And I don't know how ready you are. And it's okay if you decide I'm not ready right now. Yeah, But I just want to say, I see you in that deep, deep place. It feels very sacred to me that you've just shared that with our listeners, because there are many listeners that feel or know they have something that feels unforgivable. Yeah.
2: And is unforgivable, Mm -hmm. truly. And I will say forgiveness for me has been a journey. It has been layers. There have been times when I thought I had forgiven completely. And then I went around the cycle again, and there was more harm. So I think I will just say forgiveness is a process. Mm -hmm. And I will say that the harm that we experienced as children, particularly, but any kind of assault, neglect, abandonment,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: is, I think it's okay for me to say this, but I think I want to say like it is unforgivable. It's not really that the person becomes worthy to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. It is more about my decision to release them from the debt. That they owe. Mm -hmm. At least that's a part of forgiveness. It's not the whole. Forgiveness is very complex and very unique. And so I don't want to make any kind of head answer thing on forgiveness here, but I just want to say that I think it's also okay to name that atrocities against children are unforgivable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Something that, you know, once again, I'm just going to go back to this isn't something that we can tell someone they need to do or have to do or demand them to. I know for me, it has been more opening my heart up to God who actually does forgive the unforgivable. And for me, it's just been, I'm willing but I don't even know how and I don't even know if I want to. Yeah. And so I want to honor your heart right now that is just being willing to step into some deep places, not by demand, not by force, yeah, but by genuine desire and curiosity to, to see what's there for you.
2: And I think also because of, Of being held in a space of love and kindness and goodness. I know that. I said that to the pearls yesterday. I now know the experience of being loved deeply Mm -hmm. by people who know the dregs of my stories, Mm -hmm. who know the places of my deepest shame. Mm -hmm. And when you are loved there, it it's it changes it 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 has been changing me over these three years and I think for me in the last few weeks of really naming to myself, I have experienced good, pure, kind love
1: mm-hmm
2: yeah. And just letting that sink in mm-hmm. it's just a profound gift,
1: yeah. It is a profound gift that we are continuing to experience ourselves and offer to one another. I think I said this in our last episode. If not, I definitely have thought it <laughs> often. We've known in our prefrontal cortex and even experienced in our limbic brain, we have experiences that God loves us,
2: yeah
1: that that he he wants us. But, The horizontal piece of our healing that he actually wants to come from one another Mm. is what we've experienced in our story group. Yeah. And, and with some other people who can meet us in the darkness of the bottom of the you where we may be thrashing. And coping in ways that bring more shame and all the things. Yeah. And to have someone say, I'm not leaving you. Yeah. Oh, good work today. Share. <laughs> well, thank and, you for uh,
2: ushering me toward saying some things out loud that felt good to and, say. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we will go back and we will listen to this. <laughs> yep. And just, you know, get a sense of we're doing this, not just to process with one another, but if we don't feel like an episode would be helpful to other people. But I, I have a sense that there are many of our listeners that are going to relate to your story today. I would just ask if you can, I just want to speak to our listeners directly. If you can relate to this, or if it brings something up in you, we would love for you to reach out to us. It doesn't have to be publicly. We have an email, Share at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page and message us. We understand the complexity of the healing journey. And, you know, whether you would work with us personally or not, we do have resources that we can get you hooked up with, with experts in this area. And it would just be also
2: a blessing to hear there's a certain vulnerability to say these things out loud and put them on a podcast. And we don't know who listens. And it would be a blessing to hear if it has been meaningful in any of our episodes. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I love you, friend. It's good to be with you. You too, Candice. Love you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandaceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story, LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.